Are you going to do an intro or are you just... Da, 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 Jeff Sinclair. Comedian, musician, and trivia host Jeff Sinclair shoots on Westwood, Winnipeg. Buddy shot. What's this guy doing up here in Manitoba? Manitoba. Manitoba. Manitoba's a money dog. Tell him I moved to Manitoba. It's the Manitoba Money Shot Podcast with me, Ronald George Moore. file going all the way back to 2009 that's hogwash with overstaying your welcome you're listening to the money shot how are you my name is frank bibbles <laughs> i don't know man what can i tell you just having some fun in my apartment at confusion corner and you just heard hogwash a band i'm very proud of uh we that was from a demo we cut with crazy maiden at their studios, and I remember uh, we didn't have a lot of money, so we got the bare bones package, and uh, 
I definitely feel it's a bare bones recording, which is pro and con. I mean, pro, uh, it's kind of like what we wanted. We didn't want a polished sound, but at the same time, you don't want a rusty sound either. Uh, We called it Slop Rock, and uh, the demo had about seven songs. I don't know, man. Jeff basically had all these riffs that every time we'd hang out, he'd just always have a guitar, and he'd always be playing these riffs. And so at times I'd try to, like you know, sing along with it, or he would have an idea, and I don't know, we worked well together writing songs, and uh, yeah, it's cool. (laughs) It's fun going down memory lane and and, uh, revisiting, uh, trying to pick out which song to play, because uh, (laughs) there are some some real gems. Unfortunately, though, as I said, the recording is a little Mickey Mouse. So that's me on bass, uh, Jeff lead guitar, and Chris on drums. Yeah, so I hope you enjoy uh, my talk with Jeff Sinclair. Uh, He came over with the 12 of Pale Ale, I believe, and uh, during our talk, we definitely downed uh, more than a few. (laughs) By the end, for sure, I uh, am slurring a bit more than usual. And uh, going forward, I'm going to uh, write shorter questions because uh, Jeff had some hard ones. I can't believe I was reading questions that take five to six seconds to get out because the average is a three seconds question and answer if you want to win the money shot. What's the money shot, you ask? Well, tell them what it is. No, they got to wait till the end of the show. Um... Thanks for listening. Any questions you want me to ask anybody? Well, just send them to at uh, FreshBig on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Subscribe and give a nice like. Drop a like, as the kids say. Oh, and this just in, Jeff Sinclair is now doing his trivia show at We Johnny's. And it will be on Tuesday, the last uh, couple of Tuesdays at the end of May. Go down to Wee Johnny's for trivia night. If you like trivia, funny trivia, he's a hell of a funny guy. One talented motherfucker. His name is Jeff Sinclair. I'm lucky to be his friend, and now you're lucky to get to hear him. That's stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> you were so lucky. Well, we're all lucky. We're all breathing the same air. The same air? What the fuck? This is the internet. actually started yeah finally after an hour oh my god i am i know i'm sorry i apologize we're doing uh, we're we're uh recording this in my apartment building and using my low voice and uh you know i'm just because i'm so new at this with the garage band it did take quite a while just to set up the microphones watching the same youtube video but thankfully jeff comes over and Gives me a little <laughs> hand on the shoulder, and it's okay. I gave you a, yeah, a little hug. I said, it's going to be okay. And then what happened? Five minutes later, we're rolling. But no, Jeff solves everything. Uh, Jeff Sinclair, comedian. Is that a question? <laughs> is that a question? Or is that a, <laughs> comedian? That sounds like a statement. It is a statement. It's a broad statement because uh, you're a very funny guy. Thank you. As long uh, as I've known you. And let's, uh, let's set the record straight. Like, we are... Uh, very good friends. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we have slept in the same hotel room. Yeah. 
That's right. We have been on road trips and survived our friendship. We've done a lot of ups. Mm-hmm. And a lot of actually just ups. Oh, yeah, I don't. Not, there's I, not a lot of downs except for uh, when you drink too much and you try to tackle me. No, that's. that's Subjective because there have been times when I've seen you drunk and destroying property. Maybe yes, not towards but, me. But not my friend. <laughs> but not my friend. All right. Because that's what friends are for. <laughs> well, you're right, though. I do get, I tend to uh, get a little aggressive with my love. <laughs> <laughs> with your love, is that what you. That's what I would call it. Um, Jeff and I have been uh, in a, we, we were in a band. Mm-hmm. We're still in a band. We're just not really active. We were also in a very temporary uh, improv group for the sole purpose of uh, receiving grant money from the Canadian government, <laughs> getting to travel to Toronto and put up in a posh hotel to perform to a very uh, sparse crowd uh, with us being very unskilled improvisers. Yeah, that was... Uh that was a lot of fun. But like, yeah, there was wow, a grift. There was a grift in the artistic system, and we sought it out with a little help from my friend Steve. Yeah, exploited it. Yeah, wrapped it around us, and and, uh, and I don't know, shortly that, after, I packed bags and I left. <laughs> left to Korea. <laughs> that was the summer. And was that the summer? The, uh, yeah, I left uh, two months later after that. And you were gone, pretty much for the last. Nine years? Uh, Nine years. In total, so I left originally in the fall of 2006, and I have recently just come back now in the uh, spring of 2018, so that's 12 years, but uh, I did come home after the first year and a half for two years. Now, that's what I wanted to talk to you about right off the bat, because that's what we do here. It's Manitoba Money Shot. We're going to talk about uh, where your environment growing up, Okay. uh, which was Winnipeg. And Westwood. Yep, St. James Westwood. St. James Westwood? Mm-hmm. Well, wh- why can't they make a decision on that? Why is it... I, it no, 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 it's, it's all subdivisions. So it's Winnipeg, and then the next subdivision would be St. James, and the next subdivision is Westwood, because Westwood is in St. James, and St. James is in Winnipeg. So it's a sub-subdivision. Sure. But isn't St. James its own subdivision? St. James is like... Uh, St. James is like the Park. district, and then like Westwood is like the area. Okay. Well, we're going with Westwood. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay, because that's uh, you were brought up there. You were born in that area. I born and raised same until house. I was eighteen. No, not same house. We lived in two separate houses, uh, but in Westwood. Yeah. So I spent my whole uh, childhood in Westwood. Right. And uh, to a loving mother and father. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, they were. And I um, met them. They're very nice. Uh, they're, yeah, wonderful people and uh, very hardworking. Uh, and yeah, we, we, me and my brother and sister grew up there and, uh, And you all got along? Did you get along? We kind of had to because my parents were both teachers. So in the summer we would, uh, spend practically two months in the car traveling around the States, uh, in our little camper van that we had, uh, well, a camper trailer that we'd pull on in a truck. So we, uh, we had to learn to get along and not kill each other. I would think that would cause more problems than, than like you having to work together. It seems like, like I know me and my sisters, there was always a argument about who would get the middle seat. I need a window. I need a window. But I think it all came down to hierarchy. It was my oldest brother or my only brother, but my older brother, he got his way first and then my sister got her way. And then me as the baby just got stuck with whatever was left. (laughs) <laughs> but I got more clout because I, you know, I got away with crying more. Yeah, the, being so. the baby, your parents have already gone through two children, or, so it's like well, they're you, a little desensitized a of, at that point. Yeah, you got a lot. Of, uh, you got away with a lot more. 
Uh, I, yeah, I mean, when it came to my teens, I got away with a lot more. Say, like, my brother would... My parents would go for, away for the weekend. My brother would throw a party. They'd come back, find a bottle cap, and, he, you know, he was... The, the jig was up, and they'd, get, they'd punish him. But then, by the time they got to me, they'd come home and find, like, a bottle cap and say, what, that's it? You just had one friend come over? <laughs> exactly. Like, what, are you a loser? <laughs> why, don't you get, why don't you get more friends come exactly. over? Exactly. Why don't you more like your bro? Yeah. <laughs> like, look at your brother, you yeah, know? That's pretty good. And so... Did you end up throwing a lot of parties? I know you threw a lot of parties like, uh, after. No, we well, okay, let's. Uh, <laughs> we don't need to be talking about that in case mom and dad care to listen. Okay, uh, it feels sure. worse to be throwing parties as an adult when they're away. You didn't own up to that shit uh, with your parents, as far as like. I never told them that. I mean, it's not that I hid it. I just never revealed never, it. Right. Um, the party stuff they they always kind of knew because there was always some sort of evidence I hadn't. Clean like like a Quincy, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We built a Quincy. The Quincy um, in the backyard was the best, and that was one winter. Yeah, but my parents knew about that. I would send them updates of how big the Quincy was getting because yeah. we we literally stole all of the snow from my neighbors all like around the street. Like we built quite a huge Quincy myself and this guy Mike it was, Fair. It was massive. And then um. But there as, lights inside? Or? Yeah, we put Christmas lights inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can get a, get about eight people in there, almost standing. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and I'm six foot seven. I could almost stand in there. So, yeah. Um, but as for parties in high school, uh, I never owned up to them. But my parents never called me on it. They just kind of looked the other way. They knew what happened, but they looked the other way. And it wasn't until I was an adult and we would occasionally have conversations that they would say, "Oh yeah, we knew what you're doing." Right. Um, <laughs> but in high school, I was known pretty much. Actually, the great thing about my house was. We had three floors. We had upstairs, we had the main floor, and we had the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and the basement had like a recreation center. Like with the, we had a sauna, we had a, a pool table, dartboard. Yeah. And then the main floor had like the big TV rooms, the fireplace, and then the patio. And then upstairs just had lots of bedrooms. Wow. And uh, so when if I was to throw a party, uh, I was always relegated down to the basement, which I was fine with. My brother, uh, him and his friends, having all girlfriends, they took the top floor with all the bedrooms. Of course, And then yeah. my sister and her friends would all take the main floor. So we'd have like three tiers of party, and it was like uh, three wow. three high school generations of... So like when I say high school generations, only like a couple years apart, but... So we're talking like a weird science type of party where it's like you have... Was, how many people did you get in that? It house? was just floor by floor, but uh, I remember specifically, uh, I threw a party in grade 12. My brother and sister had already graduated. And my brother's friends all came to the party, but it was all guys, and they were like you know, five years out of high school, yeah. and the guys were so like like, hey, can we come down and hang with you? Because there's no girls with us, and uh, my brother would have not like my brother was like, no, I don't want to go down there and hang out with him. But yeah, some of my cool. brother's friends would all be like, yeah, let's go, let's go hang out with your brother, and uh, right. so they'd come down and hang out. Yeah, and also you had the pool table, as you said, you yeah. had all this like the dartboards and. Sauna? Were you using that sauna? Oh, God, yeah. I used that sauna almost every day, especially before school. I used to just... I used to just turn on the sauna, steam it all up, and then sit on the low... Like, on the floor, on the concrete, and then, like, in wet towels, and, like... uh, (laughs) It was almost like I was in, like, a sweat lodge. (laughs) And I would just, like... Uh, I would just kind of sit there for a good, like, 20 minutes, kind of, not meditating, but just let my mind go blank, and then I'd go off to school. Right. But I did that every every day before school. Now, when you say school, let's talk, let's go to elementary. What, what elementary school did you go to? Uh, I originally, my elementary school, my original one was Allard. 
uh, which went on to become oh, a, uh, it went on to become a police academy. That's right. So when I was going oh, into the shit. third grade, I had to change because Allard got became a police academy. So then I had to switch over to Sansom, and Sansom was a originally a junior high, but it switched to elementary junior high. Wow, cool. I had Mrs. LaPage. I had Mrs. Ham. This my my teacher, nice. Mrs. Allen. Those were my three teachers. Were you a good student? Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, I recently, uh, when I came home from Asia to visit, I scanned a lot of my old pictures, and uh, I also had all like I literally have every one of my school report cards. So I scanned oh, yeah? I scanned all of them and read all the comments and stuff and. Uh, Basically, until grade nine, I had it really going on in class. <laughs> like uh, Everybody was uh, like, you know, oh, always uh, super polite, par- participates in class, uh, does well in the tests, all that kind yeah. of stuff. What happened in grade nine? Well, that's when I started, <laughs> to, that's when I started to care about being popular. <laughs> like, really? Well, only to the extent that I, I'm I had... I'm getting girls? Well, that, but I mean, until then, like, the more popular guys in my school were always, eh, like, the guys that were really good at sports... Um, and in grade nine, that's when I made AAA hockey team. I went from being on the A team of hockey in the neighborhood to being on the AAA. And that's where you get to like walk down the halls with that jacket. Yeah. And like AAA is not just your school. AAA is like a whole school division area yeah. or a whole, a whole bunch of subdivisions. So it's we, like the premier get, level of the... Were you getting a lot of trophies? A lot of... Uh, yeah, I got... I had tons. tournaments? Yeah, I had a lot. And were you following in your brother's footsteps as far as like being like a jock... Uh, yeah, but I don't know if it was necessarily because of my brother. It was just, I think it was guided from my father. My father just really wanted us into sports. Yeah. Because he himself, it's funny, he loved hockey. He loved, he was a manager of hockey teams and uh, he loved to organize uh, different things for all the hockey uh, uh, organizations. Yeah. But he, the guy himself couldn't skate at all. And, uh, really? Yeah. It's like my dad was a ring head coach, but yeah, he could not skate. Yeah, he couldn't skate at all. He also loved basketball. He really pushed us into basketball, but he was a terrible basketball player. And uh, <laughs> I don't think, actually, to my knowledge, I don't think my dad is good at any sport at all except for golf. Um, hey, so you did hockey and basketball? Uh, I did growing up. Uh, I heavily played baseball, soccer, hockey. Basketball and lacrosse. And that's grade nine until? Grade nine. Well, in high school, I did, I concentrated almost solely on hockey, basketball, and lacrosse. Uh, And all three, I was at the top levels. So, like, I was a provincial lacrosse player. I was a provincial basketball player. Wow. And I was in the top level of the the hockey system. Right. Um, That must have been hard to juggle your time, like, as far as. Well, the lacrosse is summertime, and then. Uh, well, yeah. And then hockey's wintertime, so those weren't hard, but it's the basketball that kind of fits in the middle there because basketball uh, basketball and hockey would heavily conflict, but then basketball would continue after hockey and into the lacrosse season. Right. So, And hockey was always my favorite sport to play, so it had my the most concentration for me. And that was all high school for you? Uh, like sports well, Sports was a school. huge thing. Sports, school, I did a little bit of drama, not much. Um and what what brought you into that? Why did and you math actually? I was I was in the math club and I was for year nine grade nine ten eleven, I was really into math. Well, what what brought you into the arts? Like as far as like in high school, like did you, did you do a high school play? Uh, I did some high school plays, uh, and really? that that came from the popularity of being <laughs> a jock. In no, 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 no. Uh, grade really? ten in Westwood, uh, there was a girl I liked in the drama club, so I joined drama, and Amazing then. Girl. And then she totally shot me down, and then I quit the drama club. And so I was. But the funniest thing is, I only attended. I attended two rehearsals for this uh, 
It was called Simply Soda for this thing that they had written. And the press came, and they decided to take a picture of me with this girl. Yeah. And they used it. But I, by the time it was in the paper, I'd already quit. <laughs> like, so it was like so Jeff Sinclair something. and Susan something or other star. In, uh, right? But I'd already quit. And, uh, and then uh, and then when I... Because I, grade 12, I changed high schools. I went to John Taylor, uh, specifically... That, to, that's still in Westwood? Uh, no, that's in... Uh, oh, that's, a, that's uh, Arthur Charles, K. Uh, that's in uh, St. Charles. You got to remember, I was mainly fixated on hockey. So hockey was number one. And then the Westwood ho- basketball team itself wasn't the greatest team. Um, and then, and not to sound like the, the cornerstone of the team... But when I played, we would do well because uh, I would basically just post up, get the ball, turn around, put it in the basket. Yeah. Um, but when I didn't play, the team the team wouldn't do well because they didn't have a lot of height or size. They had really fast, some really good fast guards, but they just didn't have the size. Yeah. Um, so when so they went from being originally they were four A when I when I joined in grade nine I played on the varsity team which was the grade twelve team, and I played two years on the varsity team while doing hockey at the same time, but by the third year uh, because I wasn't playing so much and the team just kind of dwindled uh, they moved down from four A to triple A league and right. so that was just not a fun league because you had to you would go to a lot of out of town tournaments like you go to Winkler or Morden for the weekend. That wouldn't and, be fun. That sounds like it would be a great time. Uh, not really. I guess, and especially when you're not there's winning. There's no girls. <laughs> yeah. But like you're in hotel rooms with guys watching the X-Files on the Friday night waiting to play a game Saturday yeah, morning. Yeah, exactly. Doing, you, you got all the parental guardians with you and you're not well, making for me, sure. For me, it was very different because all the hockey guys I played with were pretty straight edged. I mean, they would drink at parties, but they wouldn't smoke weed or do magic mushrooms or anything. But then all the basketball guys were very heavy pot smokers and did a lot of magic mushrooms. Yeah. So if we went out of town, like I remember specifically going to Winkler out of town uh, for a tournament, the Friday night uh, before this one guy Frank Bibbles. had brought uh, all these mushrooms and he just dumped it on this pizza we'd ordered. So we all You're started kidding. eating eating these mushrooms Holy and shit. on the pizza. And then um, our coach came in, this guy. Frank Bibbles. And he was like, oh, what's going over here, boys? Oh, you got some pizza. And he just grabbed a slice and started eating it. And we all looked at each other just going like, oh, shit. Yeah. And uh, so then he left, and we sat there watching the X-Files. And uh, Excuse me. and then he came back after watching a game, and he was clearly high. He's like, people in this town don't know how to drive. And then, <laughs> And he's like, and then everybody at the game is cheering all weirdly and stuff, and everybody's, the, the whole teams, they're just moving this weird synchronicity, and like, uh, and we're all just kind of like, oh, really? Exactly. He did not figure he it out. He had no idea what was going on. He, he never probably, did. He had honestly had probably a couple beers. I mean, I remember. And everyone else is tripping. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were all tripping. Holy shit. That it's, it's so one of the things, you know, like these guys that I played basketball with and I went to school with, I mean, I, I do consider them all past friends, but. You know, we've never really kept much in touch, but whenever I do run across one of them, one of the first things we ever say is like, hey. Frank Bibbles. And that pizza, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the best thing about Winnipeg. It's a small city. So you always run into somebody somewhere, whether it be a music shop or a bar. There's always someone who's been around for the last 40 years, you know. After high school, you obviously went to uh, U of M. Mm Mm-hmm. And did you automatically take theater right away? Because you were definitely involved in the black hole, weren't you? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, no, no, no. My first year was a terrible year. My first year at U of M. That's when I bought my first home computer. It cost two grand. Um, I got it in the fall of uh, 96. Uh, right when I got my very first credit card. Uh, I was like, <laughs> boom, 2,000 grand, 2,000 in the hole. <laughs> you put it right on there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you needed one. Well, it's just, 
that's I could see that the internet was going to be a thing, and I was really into it. Um, so I got it, and I specifically, my parents were going to get one, but then they were going to keep it down in the basement, and I would only be allowed s- certain access to it. Yeah. So I was like, well, screw that, and I just decided to get it and keep it in my room, and that's when it was dial-up. And um, yeah, exactly. So I really got into the internet. I really got into what was called IRC, Internet Relay Chat, where you would have different channels for discussion, and people would control the channels. So like in, like administrators, administrators yeah. yeah. But they were called uh, back then. They were called. Well, I mean, they were admins, moderators. but moderators. Um, Wait, this is just like chat rooms. Yeah, this is but like- you could take over chat rooms. You could put in like bots, like little robots to act as you while you're gone. Are you fucking trolling? So I, so I used to, <laughs> so I used to go around and take over channels. Like I took over channel U two for a while. I took over channel Winnipeg. Uh, I took over channel Tool. Like uh, when you say took it over, you 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 actually. Took it from whoever was running it. Yeah, because what you would do is you would run a program that kind of, it would mask your IP as to one of the other administrators. So as soon as you join the channel, uh, somebody would automatically give you the status of administrator because you looked like you were that person. The computer thought you were that person. Yeah. And as soon as you got that, you would just de-administrate all the other people. So you were the only person with the power in that channel. And then he would, I would place bots, which are basically just programs that acted as people. And did, they, did, so when I was offline, they would stay online and uh, they would just make sure that nobody else was trying to take control of the channel. Were you programming these bots? Yeah. Yourself? Yeah. yeah. Really? I, I you had pro- that skill? Yeah. In high school, I took programming. Wow. Um, so you're super athlete and super geeky. <laughs> I was big into math was, was a big thing. Right. And, um, and then I was big into the internet. So they just came naturally that, uh, I stopped focusing so much on math and more just on like uh, computer programming. Yeah. Um, but back then too it was much more simpler than it is now. Um, I'm sure. I'm but sure. Um, so but you, so I used to do that. And so it was the also whole, the university so it's like the high speed internet at the time right? Was university. Well, yeah but I was using it at home so I was still doing the dial up. Right. But, um, but having that access yeah. must have been Yeah amazing. you had the computer room access and that's where I had I'd, I'd made a lot of friends in high school in John Taylor in the computer science class. Uh, guys that like honestly you would call them nerds they actually had pocket protectors and they had like <laughs> and, but we were really good friends in that the number one we loved to program and number two they really liked Primus and they got me into Primus and uh, you love Primus yeah and that's that largely because of this, this, this fellow Dave DiMartino uh, that I went to school with and uh, and Dave was actually Dave was in the very first kind of band I ever formed and uh but anyways, uh, so your first year of university, I was really obsessed with the internet, so I didn't go to school a lot, and my major at that point was like astronomy and uh, biology, and uh, I did terrible. I like failed one of the classes, and uh, was so that something you wanted to do, or was that something you thought I should take this? Uh, I took biology for my, my future. I took biology because my brother was becoming a doctor at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took astronomy because I was really interested in space. Um, my first year of university wasn't that great, and then my so the second year I just decided not to go, and I moved to Vancouver. You mean not great? Like your grades were down, or you just weren't interested? My grades were down, and I was also not interested. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Bingo. So I went to Vancouver, and for um, a year or just like for the summer? Uh, no, no, for the fall and the winter. But the thing is, I was supposed to move in with my sister because she had moved to Vancouver. Yeah. So the week before I'm about to move, I've got my ticket and everything. Uh, my sister announces to me she's moving back to Winnipeg. And so I was like, oh, great. But she helped me find a place to live there. So I went there, 
worked at a moving company there Did for a while. Did you know anybody in Vancouver besides your sister? No, I just, uh, my, sister's friends, my sister's friends became my friends. Did you go to any shows or what? what? No, not really. Although I did go to uh, a show that uh, Steve and Lee were both in, but I, I didn't Get know out that. of town. No, uh, I went and saw them. Shut the front door. <laughs> uh, your front door is already shut. Um, was that the first time you met them there? No, I didn't even meet them. Or they, saw they were, I saw them and I knew who they were because my <clears> sister <throat> was friends with Steve's brother. And it, it must have been theater sports. Uh, no, it was uh, it was not theater sports. It was um, them at this place on Commercial Drive. I can't remember the name of the place. Stephen Lee are Crumbs Improv, yeah. legendary improv troupe from Winnipeg. And I only knew that this guy Steve Sim was in it because my sister was friends with John, uh, Steve's brother, and uh, she had suggested going to the show. So I went and saw that. But otherwise, I didn't know. <laughs> you know, like I met I met quote unquote B level celebrities because my landlady was a drug dealer. Um, like Frank Bibbles, who was uh, the, in the movie Flight of the Navigator, he was the kid in Flight of the Navigator. Oh, really? Oh yeah, he used to come over all the time and buy drugs. Um, <laughs> and I couldn't figure out for the longest time. Everybody used to call him the Navigator, so we'd be sitting on the couch and smoking weed, and everybody would be like, "Hey, Navigator, what's going on, Navigator?" Navigator, right? And like he hated he hated being called that, but it, by sure. at that by at that point he just let it happen. And I couldn't figure out. And then one day I was like, "Wait a second. Were you in the movie Disney's Flight of the Navigator? And like, oh my god! And he was like, "Yeah, that was me." And I was like, "You were also in Mr. Invincible with Scott Bakula." Ooh. And he was like, "Yeah, I was in that too." And I was like, "Oh man, I love Disney!" And then he would go on rants about Disney and how in his contract it talked about when you're no longer deemed cute by Disney, they can right. break contract. And then he ended up working at Petro Canada and hitting on my sister one day. Oh, um, very nice side story. Um, so you came back. To Winnipeg, because mm-hmm. you had no choice. I kind of ran out of money, yeah. and actually my brother, luckily, and then bought me a plane ticket back. So what did you do? You went back to UW, and you, or sorry, U of M, and you went, uh, so, I want to do the theater? Like, so I'm just I wondering came, where that happened. Where did that start? So I had always worked at video stores in high school, DVD. Or actually, in Westwood? Yeah, Westwood. You worked at? Uh, my very, the original place was called Video Stop. Video Stop. And there was a few outlets in Winnipeg. Yeah, video. Yeah, there was a few. There was one in Henderson. I think the main, the headquarters was Henderson. Um, there was one on Saint Anne's. Um, side note: I worked at Bill's Video. Uh, well, <laughs> side note: uh, side, I worked, side note: Bill's Video in Saint James went on to become Video Update, which I worked at. Um, oh yes, my training was there. But anyway, so uh, I, I used to work with uh, when I was a video stop in in high school. Uh, one of the guys I played basketball with, he got a job there too, this guy Trevor Deneen. And uh, Trevor, I remember the summer I came back from Vancouver yeah. and we were both working at uh, Video Update, Trevor really wanted to take uh, the theater class. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. And then he was like, well, take it with me because I don't want to take it alone. And so him and I took theater class together. Yeah. And uh, so we did first year theater together. What so, shows did you do there? Um... Well, number one, I was always trying to be more behind the scenes. Um, I've never been comfortable acting. Um, but what did I do? I was William in As You Like It. Uh, I was in St. Francis of uh, Xavier. Uh, I was like a mental patient, and then I was Dr. Swan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was started as Eros yeah. in the, the play Eros at Breakfast. Um, Isn't it around this time you started doing the Winnipeg Fringe, too? Uh, no. Um, a year later or two, because it was... Oh, it was it was a little while after that. Really? It was, 
How many years um, did you do uh, Black Hole? Four. Uh, oh, my God. Because I, no I, I got my degree in theater. Uh, theater and film. Right. Um, the theater was my minor. Film was my major. But I really got into the whole U of M scene. It was just a really good group of people that were all pretty cool, and everybody was doing their own little projects. And uh, some of them now are they're still doing. Uh, they're still in the art world, and they're making really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I got into that, and it just kind of got hooked and really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the social atmosphere of it. Like you would, you'd do a play and then you'd have the after parties and stuff. And like everybody was always excited to work on new projects, which was cool. Yeah. Um, so did that. And the fringe didn't happen until my first fringe was a uh, superhero. I played super nice guy. Super in, nice guy. In a play that Dan Wallachuk, who had, uh, had written, uh, and directed and starred in. He was he's so such what, an auteur. You were a like a uh, just you were just acting in the show. Uh, yeah, I was just acting. He just wanted uh, at that point. I was in I was in good shape. Uh, I was tall, in good shape, blonde, and had like what he called a superhero chin. And because uh, I have a cleft chin, you do have a superhero. So chin. I was in that play. Uh, with a couple people, Mike Fair, who I made a Quincy with, and uh, <laughs> Eva Kapsikova, who's now in a sketch group in Vancouver, and then Tara, I want to say Tara Reed, but I don't think that's her last no. name. No. Well, I don't know, but not um, that Tara Reed. No, so it's Tara something. <clears throat> uh, so we were on this play. It was largely, I don't know, it was fun to be a part of something so stupid. Um, but that but, was definitely the year that we met. That was because the year. I'm pretty was, sure that's the year we met. That was the year I did Run Where's Missing. Yeah. And uh, basically the whole idea behind that show was, uh, like, I did four characters, and after the show, during the Fringe, um, any audience member who found me, they would uh, win a reward, and uh, no one really... I was actually kind of fun, because some people did chase me, I, you know, but yeah, you but were you, the only one who found me. Yeah, but <laughs> specifically what it was, was that you had not offered a huge bounty, you, I can't remember what the was, but it was like fifty bucks if you find me or it something. It was fifty bucks, and, and it went up every show. And then it was the show I went to, which was a matinee. You had told me this afterwards, but you said like you really wanted to hype the show to get more people out. So that's yeah. the one where you went to like, it wasn't a thousand, but you did like it was like five hundred or seven hundred, just some outrageous number. I think it was like the reward is seven hundred because the whole idea was like a hide and seek. Yeah. After the show, because if you don't know the Winnipeg Fringe, you go see the show, but then there's this hub. Where there's uh, free entertainment and uh, vendors and food trucks and you can buy all this stuff and I thought it'd be kind of an interesting idea if if uh, I was being chased like the fugitive. And so, uh, but nobody was into it. <laughs> well, actually, that's not true. A couple yeah, but people, I mean, but no one really found. But when me. you made the offer of seven hundred dollars, well, then it was like. <laughs> So that's when I saw you, and I just started talking to you, and uh, asked if you would like to partake in a smoking session. That's right. And befriended you, kind of like a wild animal, and kind of let you feel safe. I was like, who is this guy? Until I got you in closed quarters, and then I grabbed you and said the password from the show. That's right. If I remember correctly, I think you kind of suckered me in, too. But I didn't have the heart to cash in the money. Uh, that is true. You never did. You no, cashed in. I never did. cashed in. Uh, just, and that's why I'm always in your debt. Yeah, but that's just because, uh, you know, number one, it didn't seem like uh, you were getting out the draw that you wanted to get. <laughs> and and also, true. number two, I knew that you were totally over your head offering that money. <laughs> oh, it was. It was ridiculous. So I, I wasn't going to take advantage of you. Yeah. And uh, But since then, you've done so many friend shows. And I, I'm, what I mean by that is uh, you've done... 
you're always a part of some of the shows, like uh, Big Stupid Improv. You're obviously yep, big you're big. You've always been a big improviser in the city. Well, no, I, I was uh, uh, involved in the improv scene heavily. Yes. Um, I myself was never very comfortable doing it. It was just more, I happened to be with really good people. But with all the pop-up shows that have happened over, you know, maybe not lately because you were in uh, Korea, but like before, like before you left. Well, I'm always, I've always had kind of open invitations with a lot of different Pulford groups. Palace, oh, the Pulford Palace. The Pulford The church was amazing. The uh, the, the uh, Stephen McIntyre's Supper, Improv sure, Supper Club. Yeah. Oh, you that's right. You performed yeah. there. Um, well, I, I was lucky enough to have been in enough uh, credible shows that all the shows that would pop up, I'd always have kind of open invitations to join. Mm-hmm. But I myself was never really a great improviser. I was fine. I just wasn't. I was surrounded by talent, which made it, <laughs> which made it easy to kind of mask. Yeah, exactly. Because that's like, what a good improviser I mean, does. They make the other improviser look really good. Yeah, or they just don't fuck it up for the other people. Like, I mean, you know, like look at. I mean, Mike Krajewski, who is still a, a very successful actor in Canada, he was the main guy I was partnered with in almost every improv group there was. Right. And all you had to do was stand on stage with Mike, and he would just make you look good. Yeah, and then he would. Other nice. shows I would do with Steve. Well, actually, Lee and I did a couple of solo shows ourselves, or shows together ourselves. And with him, again, he was very much like set me up just to spike it, like or to to dunk it, like alley ooping. Yeah, he's really good at just throwing you something that he knows you can work with. Um, and then you know I'd have Steve to do stuff with too. Uh, just anybody I was surrounded with, they were all really good improvisers. Right, and I just. You know, I was just some schlub that was able to get through the scene. <laughs> but it's funny because, like, uh, you, you kind of you, you carved your own niche with uh, the letters show. You put on a show, Letters at Large. Yep. And um, I can explain it, but you might as well explain it. It's basically a show. <laughs> now I will explain it. I don't okay. know. <laughs> it's fine. I'll drink this beer. You tell me about my this life. This was a fridge show. And uh, Letters at Large is basically um, Jeff writing uh, letters to corporations and individuals. Uh, praising them and and giving them, uh, you know, this false story about what happened, and hopefully they respond. Like the response is really is really the whole. Uh, it's the punchline. And uh, <laughs> can you tell us the, the, about the uh, Lego, <laughs> the Lego one <laughs> your old job there. That's that's a bit of a build up. <laughs> um, is it? If it's too long, basically I can give you the synopsis. Uh, he, Jeff worked at a furniture store, furniture company. Um, I worked at a moving company. A moving company that would move furniture. And uh, Jeff wrote them a letter saying that he has uh, furniture made out of Lego and he'd like uh, them to uh, move it, but they have to disassemble it and wrap each individual piece. And uh, the letter that he got back from them was uh, saying basically, oh, what was it? It was... Uh, no, you're totally wrong there. Uh, I never received a letter back from them. Oh, oh that's right. Damn it. Uh, the whole story is that I was there the day the letter arrived at work. Yeah. And so I got to see the inside scoop of what it was like when one of my letters that I'd written arrived. And uh, the office slash warehouse really lit up and everybody was... Like, passing around the letter, people went to the photocopier, were immediately copying it, sharing it with each other, and then people would hypothesize about different things I'd brought up in the letter, like, yeah. he wants, you know, every piece individually wrapped, like, does he have any idea how long that's going to take to right. disassemble and then reassemble, and I'd said in the letter that I had some very rare scratch and sniff Lego, and, uh... <laughs> 
so that the I did not I wanted the movers to wear gloves to avoid scratching and to wear hygienic masks to avoid sniffing and uh so, so then they would sit there and wonder about like, well, wait, how does that work? The scratch and sniff Lego, like, is it like it doesn't smell? So like, one of the examples that one of the coworkers used was a Lego pineapple. They're like, so the the piece itself individually doesn't smell like pineapple, but it's not until you attach it all yeah. and you scratch it that it smells like a pineapple. Right. And they were just so I got to sit there all day and listen to these theories that they had had about this letter, yeah. and it really made me happy that on this really like drab Friday in this dusty, dirty, dank warehouse. All these people suddenly just had a little ray of sunshine yeah. injected into their work day. And then you can have a little snicker going on to yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, I was, I'm very much kind of looking through the microscope kind of guy. I don't even see it as a snicker. Like, I pulled one over. It's just kind of like, oh, this is interesting. This is what happens when right. the whole point of sending it to my work was to <clears throat> see for myself what happened. And you sent those letters over a period of years. Maybe Ten years. A, a decade, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, for sure. I got I got uh, over well over a thousand. And when you, when you were in Korea, did you keep it up? A couple. Like, I had some good years where I wrote a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time I wrote was about two years ago. Two or three years ago, in, from Korea, right? Um, I have a whole bunch of ideas that I wanted to do before I left Korea, but uh, now it's just uh, you know my any any kind of path I followed creatively or artistically, I always kind of just get off it and move on to something else. Yeah, you're quick that way. You, so like, you only you focus on something for like what a couple of years, and you something else. Yeah, that's right. Like I've had multiple sparks. YouTube channels. And yeah, I was going to bring that up too. You've had a uh, movie in a minute. Movies in a minute. Is that still out there? It's still on there. I think some of them have been um, removed because of copyright content, but uh, I think there's still like 24, 25 of them. Yeah, movie in a minute, which is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got my first technically viral video from that, but it got removed because um, I got over... It was like over half a million. Which and then one was it? Uh, half a million? Holy over half a million. Um, that's what? That's 500 bucks? I want to say it's Aaron Brockovich, but... Now how did that it, one go? Cause well, it's <laughs> because the reason it got banned or it got removed was because I used Cheryl Crow's uh, Every Day Has a Winding Road yeah. or whatever, which is a song from Aaron Brockovich, the movie. Um, I think it was Aaron Brockovich, or it was one of the others. Um well, I was thinking the whole the, every movie is copyrighted, so I was wondering how like you can even get away with that. Like, well, you can get away with using the video footage itself because you're only using one minute spliced. Ooh. So uh, the technology that they have does not recognize that. But it's it's when you use the music, uh, if you use more than like ten seconds of a copyrighted clip that has paid YouTube the copyright service fee, yeah. then it'll automatically uh, be be removed. And then you'll, get a, you'll receive a letter, like a cease and assist, don't upload it again kind That's of thing. That's kind of cool. So I had that channel. <laughs> Getting a letter from YouTube. Wow, I had that channel. Much. I had my K-pop lyric shop. The K-pop lyric which shop, was yeah. K-pop music, uh, Korean pop music. With, you kind of just put your own subtitles put based English on subtitles what they're saying. Yeah. What it sounded like they were saying in English. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I, I got a lot of cease and assist with that because uh, I would just... From YouTube or the bands? Uh, from the music companies like NBC, uh, which Direct. is... A, a, NBC is actually a uh, TV channel slash music company in Korea. Get out of it. So time. they sent me a couple. Um, wow. JYP sent me one, which is... JYP is one of the biggest producers in uh, in Korea. Um, right. You weren't prepared to like fight them? No, no, no. So like, I had uh, that. Those are my YouTube channels. I used to have a really... Popular blog in Korea called uh, Shut Your Mouth, Brian Kim. Um, <laughs> I can't tell us. Some- 
<laughs> I think I know this one. But uh, go well, ahead. I used to have this kid in class, Brian Kim. Sweet, no, when sweet. you say class, because over in Korea you're teaching English. Yeah, at this point I was teaching. Uh, this was when I was teaching uh, kindergarten and elementary students, and I had this kindergarten kid. I taught him in kindergarten, and then he moved up to grade one, and his name was Brian Kim, and he was such a studious student. Like he loved to study. He always mm-hmm. he really like he'd get boner sharp in his pencil. Like <laughs> he would. Uh, so uh, he, why, was, why? he was Yeesh. nuts. He was nuts about it. And, uh, nuts. And he, honestly, he was a wonderful kid. But I took him as a symbol of, like, the like keeners and, like, students that just really started to hate in class that, like, would annoy the piss out of you because they the were... The overachievers. So he became a symbol for that. Yeah. And um, so I found this really awesome picture of him <laughs> having graduated from kindergarten. Yeah. And I made a logo out of it called Shut Your Mouth, Brian Kim. And then I just... It was all stories from class. Uh... Always using Brian Kim as the main character, mm-hmm. but uh, really it would be stories from other students and stuff. But it became really popular with the expat. Oh, you do the other students and just put his name on. It would, yeah, I'd use Brian Kim's name, and then I would actually take photos of Brian Kim uh, acting out scenes, because <laughs> his mom used to let me. She knew that I was using him for an art project, and uh, but she never because she couldn't speak English, so she never knew exactly what I was doing. But right. I'd take pictures and I'd use him, and uh, and I was tasteful with it. I wasn't you know exploiting this child. But um, <laughs> but anyways, I, I did that, and uh, it was what was really cool is I'd go to some bars in different areas, yeah. and I'd hear people talking about, "Hey, have you seen this blog? Like, shut your mouth, Brian King." Really? And uh, that's where I was like, "This is really catching on," and I had a lot of subscribers out, like I over a thousand at some point, right? And uh, which in the expat crowd in Korea is pretty at the time was pretty big. Uh, but then I, I, you know, I just got out of it. I kind of just lost. That's when I got into the K-pop lyric stuff. So I kind of stopped doing that and got into. Well, that. not only that, you're you're doing stand-up. You're, you're not only you're doing stand-up, doing you're stand-up producing well. stand-up shows yeah. and trivia nights in Korea. Yeah, and making my own posters. Making your own do, posters. All the de- you know, do it yourself. Right, right, and so. Uh, and I was actually at the same time too, uh, for a good six months. I was heavily involved with a uh, a magazine called The Press. Which was kind of like the Onion, but in Korea. Yeah. So me and this guy Ross Gardner, who is now like an LA a writer in LA, mm-hmm. um, we for a good six months we put out uh, monthly publications uh, where we got like the bars would basically give us money to advertise in our publication, and we it would be kind of like getting the coffee news here in, right. in Winnipeg. Where it was like this free thing that you could it's pick up and read. It's in every it, shop. It was a very Korean-oriented <laughs> onion-style news. Yeah. And uh, and sometimes I'd put my letter stuff in there. Sometimes I'd put like the Brian Kim stuff in there. Right. Um, but I was also really heavily involved with that. I was like the the chief editor. Um, so we the had chief a chief bu- editor. Yeah. Really? So we had a bunch of people that would submit stuff. I would be the main editor, and then cool. Ross was kind of the artistic director and the designer. Yeah. And um, that Thanks. lasted for six months, but then Ross got. Ross wrote a bunch of short stories, and Owen Wilson fell in love with him and helped Ross get an agent. Ross moved to L.A. and so you shouldn't be really. And then Ross, that was it. Ross disappeared. I didn't know how to do it myself. Have uh, you looked him up at all? Like, what's yeah, he up to uh, these we've, days in we've, Hollywood? We've talked very, very briefly over the last ten years. Yeah. Uh, okay. As soon okay. as he left, actually, when he left, I was pissed at him because I was like, he was like, "Well, that's it. We're shutting down the press." Yeah. I was like, "No, I want to keep doing it." And he's like, nah, nah, yeah, let's just let it end. And I was like, oh. Well, once it ended, your hands are pretty full anyway because you're producing so shows. So then I had shows you're to produce and run. You're producing stand-up yeah, yeah. soul. Yeah. Uh, 
Producing, running is probably the better term. But running the show, running, producing, yeah, but not so. You're bringing in comedians from but North not, America, yeah, but I wasn't doing it alone. I had uh, three other people that were uh, doing it with me. I, my role in it was, I think, I was just the person with the most prior experience uh, of yeah. doing it yourself shows. Um, but right. I, I had three other people: Aaron Weber, Albert Escobedo, and Rudy Tybersi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we all ran it together. And uh, so you had your own little clubhouse. <laughs> We had a place called Tony's that was like our clubhouse. Yeah. And, and very successful. Uh, a lot of people came out. In, in that the shows were successful, yes. Financially, it was never a huge success. It was, But we never, made, we never shot for financial success. We were just caring about putting on good shows and having right. good environment and having everybody have fun. But like, uh, the best part is you're bringing in not only people from like names like Kyle Kinane. Mm-hmm. And uh, but like Winnipeg comedians, you brought uh, Ben Walker out there and John B. Duff, right? Yeah, Ben Walker, John. Like Duff. I thought that was incredible. Yeah, uh, Lee White brought Lee White out. Brought too. Lee White, of course, yeah. from Crumbs, as, as mentioned. Well, that's just kind of just you know you remember where you're from and um, the people you like, and uh, we're you know we're family, so mm-hmm. uh, always I've always kept my door open for family. Like I don't care. Uh, you know, I could try to get a big name or something, but uh, at the same time, I my friends make me laugh too, so yeah. it's just nice. And you to, make them laugh because obviously you, that gave you ample time to, to work on your, your comedy, your stand-up, yeah. Yeah. and that's what you're doing now. You're back in Canada and Winnipeg, and you're you're constantly, since you've been back, you've been on stage pretty much yeah, I've been every back, week. Back for a month and a half and on stage, yeah, almost every week, sometimes three, four times a week. But mostly, uh, I would say, yeah, I, I kind of, it's, I'll have weeks where I really want to perform and then I have a week where I really just don't want to and just kind of want to stay home and lay on the couch and listen to Seinfeld. You're too fucking lazy? Or? <laughs> well, no, it's... You got to catch up on your, uh, on your a shows? Certain, yeah, no, but there's a certain comfortable nostalgia of being back home and kind of just laying down and absorbing the pop culture that streams on TV Yeah, uh, to kind of familiarize myself again with this environment. Do you miss Korea? Yeah, of course, every day. Every day? Oh, yeah, it's a fucking fantastic place to live. What's so great about it? It's like Never Neverland. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like a fantasy, basically. Well, it's, it's a lot of uh, adults that end up living there that don't end up actually having children themselves or, or don't get married or kind of just live this nomadic lifestyle. Uh, yeah. And it's a very tight community. It's quite easy to make friends out there because everybody, you know, a lot of people go out there as strangers and so they need friends. So everybody's quite friendly and uh, very supportive too, especially the art scene there. Like the crossover support, uh, you know, we did comedy, but we were also really good friends with all the improvisers. So we did stand up. We were really good friends with the improvisers and we were also really good friends with the local theater scene, the soul players. So we would do a lot of like cross pollinated shows or hybridized shows, um, and really supported each other. We would advertise each other's shows. Uh, you know, I would go host Soul Player shows, uh, and some of them would come do stand up. Um, so it was, it, it was really good for at least art. It's a really supportive, great artistic scene out there. That's cool. Do you uh, think you're going to go back? I don't want to because I just see myself. Uh, <laughs> Drifting off into the abyss out there. <laughs> yeah. Drifting off into uh, uh, your senior years. I would, I would much rather 
find some sort of foundation back here now that I'm starting to age a little. Well, and, uh, totally, and your family's here. Like you, My like family's you, here, I love like, my family, and uh, my brother and sister have kids, and I want to be more than just a video uncle across the seas. Exactly, for sure, for sure, I get that. And um, that's the best part, like you, 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 st- you still can do what you were doing over there here. Yep. Um, you were hosting trivia. I still run trivia over there. That's right. I find that incredible. Like through the internet, uh, on your old little computer, you don't remember to now where you host a show on the other side of the world. Yeah. Well, I don't actually host myself, but I, I create the material for the show. Right. Right. And other people host, but, uh, it's great. It's fun. I enjoy it. And I'm actually, uh, trying to launch one here. I'm supposed to meet this weekend with somebody to... Talk about doing it at Wee Johnny's. Right, so look forward to that, uh, Winnipeg, And I did talk to the Kingshead. I talked to the Kingshead, too. Kingshead, which I went, too? Uh, yeah, I went in there for lunch and talked to this guy, Chris. Jay? Uh, 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 Chris. Chris. Talk to Jay. He's the talk owner. to Jay. All right, Jeffrey, my man, my friend, my amigo, my compadre. All right, are we done? Is that it? Yeah, we're pretty much done. we got to do the money shot, though. Oh, what is it? Oh, God. I hope this is not what I think it is. It's not. It's not. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess it's the part of the show. Well, basically, I'm going to ask you 100 questions. 100? 100 questions. Seriously, 100 Well, questions. if you can get through it, you have five minutes. Oh, Jesus. You have to answer 100 questions in five minutes. Now, if you get 90%, if you get an A+. $7.50. But once again, uh, 100 questions, and you have to be very specific. And it also could be a challenge. All right, let's just do it. <laughs> don't don't get so excited. All Let's right, just do it. Um, all right, so uh, here we go. Wait, wait. Do I have to answer in the form of a question? No, of course not. This isn't fucking Jeopardy. Okay, this is. Just well, why the, are you getting angry? You haven't explained. I'm not fucking angry. Okay. Well, that's your tone. God damn it. Your tone you was suggest. To me every time you say I'm angry, I'm angry, I'm angry until I get angry because I'm not angry. Okay? No, because I know the seat is there. <gasps> I just water it. Okay, are you ready? Oh my god. Oh my god, and I still don't know how to start this, so I'm just going to be like, there'll be some sound effect happening right now. Frank Bibbles, name a YouTube celebrity. Uh, PewDiePie. What is the chemical name for water? H2O. Say the title of a Judy Bloom book. Uh, pass. Besides, there's <laughs> a pass. Besides Kurt Cobain, name a member of the band Nirvana. Uh, Kirsten Ovaselic. Name an Elton John song. Uh, Tiny Dancer. Name a song off of Weezer's Blue Album. In the Garage. Who's your favorite stand-up comedian from the 1980s? Jerry Seinfeld. How many times have you attended a Winnipeg Jets game? 12. Mac or PC? PC. What's your favorite improv game? Uh, Yes, and. What's the nastiest thing you've said to a heckler? Shut up. What's the fifth planet from the sun? uh, 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 Jupiter. What do you like to order at Toad in the Hole? Uh, Pub Club. What's the name of NASA's first space shuttle? Uh, Challenger. Uh, Where is the Alamo? Texas. Are you afraid of spiders? No. What's the main ingredient of peanut butter? Peanut butter. Name a business on Portage Avenue. Bird Durache. Too late! Name a business on Portage Avenue. Dominion News. What do you take a girl out? Where do you take a girl out for your first date? The prom. How old were you when you first when you saw your first R-rated film in a theater? Uh, Fourteen. On a standard QWERTY keyboard, what is the next next consecutive letter? A S D. A S D E. Name a sitcom featuring Jason Bateman. Uh, it's your move. 
Name a character in the film Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh, Ray. What's your favorite Monty Python film? Search for the Holy Grail. What's your favorite Canadian band? Hip. What's your favorite Manitoba band of all time? Weaker Thins. Hum the opening credit song to the television show Taxi. (laughs) 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 While filming Brain Candy, which the kids in the hall member quit the troupe. Dave Foley. Name a comedian with a beard. Uh, Bill Hicks. Name Quick Draw McGraw's crime-fighting alias. Uh, Sputnik. What color does red and yellow make? Orange. Uh, shit. What's uh, your least favorite Weekend Update host on Saturday Night Live? Uh, weekend Update? Uh, Colin, uh, Colin uh, Quinn. <laughs> what size shoe do I currently wear? 13. Name a current team player on the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Laney. Name an Albert Brooks film. Albert Brooks film? Yeah. Uh, uh, Albert Brooks, uh, 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 out of sight. How do you make gri- a grilled cheese sandwich? In a pan. Spell the word beautiful. B-E-A-U-T-I-F-U-L. What's your favorite cassette tape that you own? Uh, Maxwell. Have you ever gone skinny dipping? Yes. <laughs> what do you like to drink when you're thirsty? Water. Besides Austin Powers, name a Mike Myers film. Who saw I married an axe murder? What is your favorite nickname that you gave someone? Scoops. <laughs> you name a Phil Collins song. Uh, in the air. According to the song, what did your true love give to you on the seventh day of Christmas? The, the true love, seventh day of Christmas, true love gave to me, um, I don't know, seven holy squirts. Word. <laughs> give me the first name of one of the characters from The Breakfast Club. Brian. Who is Howard Stern's sidekick news reporter? Rose. Name a member of the Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, Shifty McGee. What is the what is the capital of Canada? Ottawa. What United States is directly beneath the province of Manitoba? <laughs> what United States? United States state. Ah, uh, there's two of them. It's North Dakota and Montana. Ooh, Brainiac. Besides Trudeau, and, uh, and Minneapolis. Uh, or sorry, name, Minnesota. Name a former prime minister of Canada. Pierre Trudeau. What's your favorite hard liquor? Alcohol. Give me a fake strain of marijuana, bud. Uh, fake strain? Yeah, fake strain. Uh, um, Maui Wowie. Winnipeg Free Press or, or uh, Winnipeg Free Sun? Press. I taught, I taught what? Pretty tight. Does Manitoba Legislative Building Golden Boy statue hold his torch in his left or his right hand? Right hand. What does American Television CBS stand for? Uh, uh, the, the Columbia Broadcasting Where Station. are your parents from? Winnipeg. What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Shower. How many sides to a hexagram? Uh, hexagon? Hexagon, sorry. Uh, 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 six. What is the point value given to, le- to the letter J in a board game, in the board game Scrabble? Eight. Name a famous painter. Picasso. Name something you find in Hawaii. Pineapples. Kenny or Spenny? Kenny. Name a town in Manitoba. Winkler. What is your favorite meat? Pepperoni. Is Bill Cosby guilty? Yes. Name an Atari 2600 video game E-T. system cartridge. What has one tire? Uh, Lego. Do you bro- dream bro- how many? How many we go through? How many did we go through? Uh, how many did we go uh, through? How many did we go through? Uh, well, we got through uh, sixty-seven. Oh, okay. Damn it! Listen. All right. Well, we'll uh, go through those answers and we'll be right back. Do we really need to go through those answers? Well, we don't have to. <laughs> I mean, Are you surprised by it's your move? No, I thought it was actually, uh, that's a, what I would have thought of over Arrested Development. Yeah. Just because that was his big thing back really? in the 80s. Really? You could have done Silver Spoons. You could have done The Hogan Family. You could have done Valerie's Family. 
He was in Silver Spoons? Yeah. He was the See, best I just remember him as, as uh, He was Derek. Who? He was Derek, the troublemaker, the best friend of Ricky uh, Schroeder. Really? Yeah. No, no, in It's Your Move. Oh, on Silver Spoons. In Silver Spoons. And that's what got him... It's Your Move. The gig, right, yeah. exactly. It was like a spinoff. It wasn't mm. a spinoff. He wasn't playing the same character. It wasn't a spinoff. Uh, how do you how do you make a grilled cheese sandwich? In, in a, a pan. pan. That's how you make it? You're very good. Quick Draw McGraw's crime fighting name? Uh, I have no idea. I can't remember. El Cabal. The fifth planet. What did you say? Jupiter. Is that right? No. I think so. No, that is right. I'm pretty sure it's right. Well, you're you're good. Well, of course. you. That's your major. <laughs> it was my first year major. <laughs> it still sticks. No, I'm pretty sure it's How still. embarrassing would that have been? All right, Jeff, man. Love you. Thank you. And uh, All right, I guess I'm going home. I'm going to punch you out now. No. <laughs> good night. Bye.